Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And um, I'm delighted to have Niha with us today. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, and health freedom. And in that light, I'm always scouring the globe, looking for people on the cutting edge, making a difference. So today, Niha, she's a Y Combinator tech recruiter. So if you, we can talk all about Y Combinator, metrics-oriented, Forbes Business Council. It's going to be a fantastic discussion about tech entrepreneurs, AI. I'm just fascinated with tech, the ability for it to change the world. So Niha, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. And thank you to the listeners. Excited to be here. Yeah. I know uh, we had connected through Podmatch. And tell us the audience more about your background and your story, and we'll get right into it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, so my name is Neha Naik. I live in Houston, Texas with my husband and two young kids. Um, initially growing up, I aspired to be a physician. And then in med school, I realized that it wasn't for me. But I have a lot of respect for all of you who go through it. I know it's it's an incredibly challenging career path. And I feel like your heart really has to be there to serve others. So I'm you know, really thankful and respectful for all that you do and sacrifice uh, for us, right, <laughs> so that we can be healthy. Um, and so basically from there, I started working um, as a recruiter for a couple of companies, ultimately ended up finding my own business about eight years ago, only because I felt like I could do more. I could have the financial freedom and just be a present mom. You know, that was something that was a top priority for me after having kids. And I felt like having a business would allow me to work with the clients I wanted to work with, work the hours I wanted to work with, and still go for Mother's Day brunch, you know, when my kids want me to be there. Yeah, I love that. We, you know, we could talk all day about healthcare. Uh, is it worth it and all of that? It's really interesting. Let's let's get right into it. So you basically, you know, your tech and uh, tell, for example, your experience with uh, being a Y Combinator tech recruiter. What do you do and, um, you know, how you help clients and all of that? Yeah, good question. So basically, my role as a Y Combinator tech recruiter within my clients' businesses is to, one, act as part of their business, even though I'm coming in as an agency and a contractor, and really help them scale their business efficiently without the burnout, right? So a lot of times, especially with tech companies, um, you'll see that they're either bootstrapped or profitable, 
or they're raising funds so that they can, you know, start hiring people for their team and take that, you know, product or service to the next level, right? Um, and then ultimately either go IPO or sell the business to another business. Um, and so my goal is when they hire me to come up with an org chart to make sure that we're hiring the right people at the right time and then work with them um, and make sure that when we do talk to candidates, we're putting our best first impression system forward, right? Because again, everyone is really picky nowadays on where they want to work. And it's really important to me that, you know, when we, we take on clients like that, that we really, you know, honing in on culture and inclusion and some of the other things that are incredibly important for our startups, because as you know, turnover in startups can really hurt the business, right? Because you're having to go back and hire and that person leaves and you're having to go back and hire. And so you're spending then your time on hiring instead of building out your product. So my goal is to increase the retention uh, by my proven hiring methodology. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about, you know, work from home, the diversity gap, yeah. also AI. So, you know, we're seeing ChatGPT and Bard. What's the role of AI in recruiting and retaining top talent? Great question. I love that you asked that because this is obviously in every, on everyone's mind, right? Especially with this new AI thing coming up. So I really think that, you know, I don't think of AI as like a competition, right? To my job, because I think at the end of the day, human resources means there's a human involved, right? And so to me, when I think of recruiting and the addition to AI, um, AI is there to, I feel like, get rid of all the grunt work. So if you think of resume parsing, um, you know, reviewing profiles, reviewing resumes, putting together job descriptions, all that, you know, setting up systems, AI is going to be perfectly capable of doing. Now, where I think we do need human beings is to actually talk to candidates and guide hiring managers and founders and co-founders, right? And AI isn't going to be able to emit the culture that you're you're looking to talk to about to other people, right? Like the AI is not going to be able to like humanize your culture, your values, your mission, your vision. And so for a recruiter, it's how well can we work with AI so that we're automating the processes that are taking up time. And when we do that, we're basically increasing our human bandwidth, right? So instead of talking to now 10 people a day, I can talk to 20 people a day because my AI friend is doing all the things on the back end that I would be doing and spending my time on. So I'm increasing my efficiency, um, but the AI is helping me out, right? So again, thinking of it as, okay, how do we work well with AI instead of like, oh my gosh, AI is going to take away my job, right? Um, coming at it from that attitude is really going to help us make really efficient recruiters. And it's also going to allow um, the companies to scale faster, but also doing it in a very efficient and thoughtful manner. Yeah, it's um, AI is a fascinating topic. Um, it's going to be like learning how to use a computer, how to use social media, search, mobile. Um, it's not going to, I guess, well, it's going to displace and change industries, but it's actually the people that know how to use AI that are going to... Mm -hmm come out ahead it's and so it's like i said it's a fundamental shift in infrastructure really fascinating i, I love it and um uh, one thing is uh it, what is this idea of um so this remote and flexible hybrid work setup they're optimal for the tech industry and mm -hmm. how companies should embrace yeah, so i think there's i mean since the pandemic we've definitely seen this increase in remote opportunities, right? Because obviously offices were shut down. Um, you couldn't come in anymore um, because of COVID. And so now what's happened is, is that shift 
a lot of people are comfortable with the flexibility because now they can, you know, be home for dinner, um, drop their kids off to school at a decent hour instead of trying to like beat the traffic. Um, And so I feel like a lot of people are really enjoying that flexibility. And so especially for the tech world, a lot of the roles can be done remotely, right? Like a product designer, product manager, software engineer, web developer, social media marketer. I can, you know, give you a whole list of roles, um, but a lot of roles can be done technically, right? So it's going to be about changing how you measure the milestone driven output instead of like, are you in from eight to five, right? We also know that people work efficiently at different times. So like, you know, my husband is more efficient at night when he does his work and I'm a morning person. So if I'm not like done with my important priorities by noon, I start to lose that energy, right? And mm. so it's really going to be optimizing on humans as as people and really saying everyone's different. And it's okay if you're working from 12 to 8 instead of 8 to 5, as long the, as long as the milestones are being met, but they're met in a very good way, right? Like you're not just turning something in, you're turning something in with high quality. And I think that's where you're going to see this entire shift, right? And that means that you can't then have an office that requires people to come in from 8 to 5. Because that's not going to be, you know, acceptable to everybody in their way of work, right? Now, obviously, this excludes other roles that can be done remotely. So if you're a doctor, for example, you're a nurse, you got to go see people, right? Like we know there's telemedicine that's come up quite a bit. um, But at some point, there's going to have to be that physical interaction with the patient, right? Um, But even then, you know, I I had an incident where I had to get an x-ray and I went to go get the x-ray and the doctor called me on video and told me, talk to me about the x-ray and the next steps, right? And so we're going to start seeing this incremental shift into, you know, just remote work, not just in the tech industry, but also outside of the tech industry. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of, you know, my thoughts on it. And so it's going to be really important to see how enterprise companies, how startup companies pivot, you know, according to the model, because I know a lot of companies are now asking people to come back in, but people are now looking for other jobs because they don't want to go back in. So you're going to see a little bit of turnover, you know, with that mandate, you know, that mandatory requirement. Uh, Yeah, like I said, um, this whole like COVID really accelerated a lot of the shifts in in work and, you know, a lot of especially in tech, you can work from anywhere in the world, anytime at your own convenience. And one thing is uh, talking about this, um, this uh, diversity gap in, in technology and intentional, re- basically you have this experience, intentional recruiting, hiring and retention practices. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's diversity, definitely there's diversity in the tech, requ- uh, tech industry. And I think it's majority because there's less women, especially since, you know, again, post-COVID, um, then you also have, you know, racial and cultural diversity, you know, so it's, um, I think it is really about, you know, the leadership and the hiring team and the recruiter, right? And so as a team, we have to work towards more diversity. And the reason being is that the more diverse your team is, you're going to have different points of view. And when you have different points of view, um, you kind of are including, you have this culture of inclusion and equity, right? And that leads to retention. And retention leads to basically you being very on time with any type of delivery that you have for your product or service, which then leads to more clients, right? And you want to build a culture of diversion, inclusion, and, you know, um, having equity, right? And so I think that starts early on. So even for girls, you know, if you know, you can encourage them to go into engineering or go into tech or STEM, 
that's going to go a long way so that we're going to, you know, we're going to start seeing those shifts um, early on. So even as early as elementary school, middle school, high school, making those shifts, because this is, you are shifting a paradigm. So this is not going to shift overnight, right? This is going to be a decade, two decades worth of work, but we have to all work together as a community so that ultimately we see, you know, more women in tech, more cultural diversity. And um, the way to encourage that is at the ground up. So, you know, working with your communities to have the programs that really encourage, you know, all these um, diversity initiatives across whatever it is that you're wanting to do, you know. But I always think, think 30 years from now, how do you want your schools to look like? How do you want the curriculum to look like? How do you want your community look, to look like? You know, how do you want the office environment to look like? Whether it's remote or in person, right? And so those are the things that you have to think about when you think of, you know, diversity in the workplace. Because the change starts today, right? Like you can't put it off to other generations. Like you have to act on it um, sooner. So that way it kind of starts seeping into the ground, right? And becomes this whole root with this huge tree. Um, but it starts with a little small sapling. Yeah, really, really well said. And you, so you talk about this idea of um, changing dynamics and a lot of Gen Z and um, millennials and now uh, Gen Alpha, they're more focus on what values, you know, what resonates with them. So especially post-COVID, establishing a thriving work workplace environment is a lot different than what it was 20 years ago. And then you talk about rooted in culture and morale is crucial for businesses. So how do you fit into that picture? Yeah, so one of the uh, pillars of my, I have three pillars of my business that I really believe in. So the first is the first impression systems. The second is a cohesive culture method. And the third is the compass leadership methodology, right? And so basically the cohesive culture method is all about how do you build a culture where, you know, no matter where you are, you know, you're Gen Z, you're millennial, everybody feels comfortable and everybody feels part of the company, right? Everybody feels part of the mission, the vision, the values. Um, and I think, you know, the best way to do that, right? The best way to inculcate this culture is going to be really to be transparent, to really be growth oriented, and it's going to require a different mindset. It requires this trust mindset, right? This mindset of, I'm going to hire you to do this job, and I'm not going to micromanage you, and I'm going to trust you unless you prove me wrong, unless you're not delivering on time, unless you're not meeting your milestones. But I'll tell you, you know, Chris, a lot of clients that I work with, they don't have that mindset. They want to micromanage, and then they get upset when people leave. And I'm like, you don't have that, you know, you need to have that mindset of, you know, culture positivity. And when you start driving towards that, right, when you're transparent with your team, when you're honest, when you're asking for feedback, when you're providing feedback, when you're doing anonymous surveys so that you can understand where people are struggling, then you can actually take action on those things. If you're just clocking in and saying, what did you do from 8 to 10? What did you do from 10 to 12? You know, that's not really helping anybody, right? It's going to actually drive people to think like, this person doesn't trust me. So I can't be here when I'm not trusted. You know, as human beings, um, we need to feel safe. We need to feel included. It's a psychological thing, right? Um, if you ever worked in a place where you didn't feel safe, you didn't feel included, and you felt like people were pointing fingers at you, you're not going to be happy there. And the next thing you know, you're going to find another job, right? Um, and we've all gone through that at some point in our lives or another, where we're like, I hate this work. Like, I don't want to work here, right? And so really just kind of going back to that and like, how are you make treating your current employees or your team right now? You know, how are you really embracing this cohesive culture and bringing people together instead of pitting people against each other, having that extremely competitive mindset, right? Because at the end of the day, 
as a company, you have to grow together, not against each other. Um, if you divide people, you're not going to be successful. People are going to leave and you're going to be unhappy, right? Um, so that's kind of my, you know, kind of my attitude about, about it is like really embracing that trust mindset. And it takes time to build, right? Like it's not something that happens overnight, but you have to start building that because until you do, um, it's going to be very hard to be that leader that people look up to and want to work for. Yeah, you know, talking about the corporate culture, a lot of it's, uh, uh, there's very few companies that are really, truly um, innovative and really great places to work. I think tech is really a, is uh, on the cusp of that. But then you also have like these problems with um, the different teams and different interdepartmental communication breaking down. Uh, so what are some key strategies for breaking those down, those silos, improving cohesiveness, dynamic, you know, all these things within you see within the corporate confines? Yep, great question. I think the biggest thing is, and you know, you've heard me say this, is transparency. And I think it all starts with your hiring process, right? Like setting up your hiring process where even the people that are going to join you are meeting people from other departments. So if you're hiring someone on the engineering side, then allowing them to meet people on the product side or the design side or the sales side. So I think it really starts, you know, with your hiring process and your onboarding, right? Because it's very easy to get siloed in, right? And being like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't need to work with these other teams. But until you, again, inculcate that culture of cohesiveness, right? And, um, you know, providing anonymous surveys, getting people's feedback, doing all hands-on deck meetings. So, you know, once, once in four, four weeks or once in six weeks, getting your entire team together on Zoom if you're remote, right? Planning a quarterly offsite where you invite people to come to cities, uh, you know, and and meet and get to know each other and really understand each other, right? Um, I think that's going to be incredible, and it's going to really speak for the company that you are. I myself have seen, you know, um, just tremendous changes when I've started doing this within my team. There's loyalty. There's this, um, you know, people want to work harder because they want to make sure the company succeeds, right? And it's not just about them anymore. It's about the vision of the company um, and working towards that vision. So really allowing people to do that. There's so many ways you can do it. You can, you know, encourage people to network, um, you know, meet with people on different teams. Just put 10 minutes on people's calendar. Like, hey. I know you've been here for two years. I've been here for two years. And I realized we never talked about what we do. Like I'm putting time on your calendar on Friday, right before lunch. So you, we can get to know each other. It can be really something that's simple, right? And like start networking within your business. If you have a really big team, make it a goal. Like twice a month, I'm going to talk to somebody new in my company that I've never met before. That's like 30 minutes, 15 minutes per person. That's all you need, right? And those 30 minutes are really going to compound. And ultimately, you're going to build a really good network of people within your business that if something comes up, you can say, hey, I know this person and she can answer my question, right? Because I talked to her last month and this is exactly her zone of genius. Um, so, yeah, just really having those conversations. And I'll give you an example. I actually did this in my previous company and one of the people was an interior designer. Um, and so she, you know, her she was in sales, but she also did interior design. So when it was time to redecorate our house. I, I reached out to her and I'm like, hey, I know you're an interior designer. Like, can you work with us to do this? And she ended up working with me on that. You know, so it was really cool. Like we knew each other through work, but then we were able to work with each other outside of work. And I wouldn't have known that unless I took the initiative to talk to her. Yeah, great discussion. Um, I know a lot of people may be interested in uh, following you, finding out more about you. How can they do that? Yep, great question. So you can um, find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can look me up, Neha Naik, N-E-H-A.
You can also look up my website. It's recruit. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Facebook. So just, you know, again, find me and, and yeah, I'm happy to connect and chat with you about anything recruiting. Uh, and let's, for the audience out there, let's thank uh, Nihal for coming on. Really interesting ideas and topics, ways of hiring, recruiting, retaining talent, and um, how she fits into that. Nihal's resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to all the listeners. All the best. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. Without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.